0: This episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is also brought to you by the Tyrota Finish Line Social Impact Script Competition. It's back for a second year in a row. The competition will again celebrate film and television scripts that seek to raise awareness and inspire change regarding urgent issues with critical relevance across our society now, such as racial, gender, or economic inequality, climate change, drug addiction, the broken foster care system, gun violence, and much more. The competition especially encourages submissions from historically underrepresented writers. The Tyrota Finish Line Script Competition runs from January 18th through June 10th. Please go to Film Freeway and learn how to submit your script. This episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by the Finish Line Script Competition. In its sixth year, The Finish Line Script Competition is the only script competition run by ex-literary managers. Six plus pages of actionable development notes are available to you, or you can submit your script as is. Scripts can be rewritten and resubmitted for free anytime throughout the competition. Over 40 mentors read and meet with the winners, and the competition staff itself works with many semifinalists on getting their material read throughout the industry. They are here to help writers succeed by improving your script along the way and making sure you get opportunities when your material is ready. So check out what's happening at finishlinescriptcomp.com. Now open for submissions.
1: i say what I feel and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the bro. Be a writer, well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminished and the doubts are behind you. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the red room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they lose the bowl of kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier. He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want.
2: Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? Everybody. Wakanda forever. You know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. A uh, little disclaimer, Lisa Bolakaja, don't know if she's joining us today or not, but uh, she's somewhere out there, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere out there doing something. Anyway, but we got, we got the, the team here today, my man Chris Derek, in the building. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, buddy?
0: Just trying to live today. Just trying to live.
2: <laughs> I'm doing okay.
0: I'm doing okay, I guess. You know, I mean, we well, you, finally you, you
2: and Bianca, you and Bianca, been on 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 um, on uh, on script for the last couple of weeks. So I'm sure you guys are living your best life right now. Well, <laughs> more I mean, like living that, a of
3: sleep non exhaustion.
0: Exactly. <laughs> just, I I don't know. There's just a lot going on with that with that the show. Um. It, I can't talk about unfortunately. I, I can't even name the I can't name the show. I can't name I can't I can't even like <laughs> complain about art. and I've been it complaining. It's just like some wild stuff is happening. Um
3: in the s but look amazing. it's it's
0: it's fun, you know. I know. It's fun, you know, like I was telling let I was telling you what, you know, I was up to the to the to the to the to the studio like, like all last week. I'll be going again tomorrow. Um you know, it's, I mean, look, it's all this stuff. I mean, I've, I, I told you all before, it's like, I love being on, on set. I, I love mm-hmm. that kind of energy. I mean, that's the thing that, that that's, I mean, that's the reason why I write, you know, to, right. to, to, to do that and see that. Um, but I'm doing that. And then I'm doing that short film, you know, that I sent you a script on you know, you're Like, we had the rehearsal for that, like, last weekend. We're going to have it again today, but. Or yesterday, but but one of the actors has he he had he booked some jobs so he can, um, but the rehearsal went really fucking well. Like I was really nice. excited. Um, a couple more changes we're gonna make based upon some ad libs and some improvisation I had them do. But mm-hmm. um, I mean that, that I think it's gonna be a good short. I think it's gonna be. It's crazy.
2: It's crazy. But no, it's, I, th- I it's, think it's something that you need on your reel. You know, um, it's definitely got that, you know, dark tone. It's, and it's really smart. It's being like I always tell writers, you know, and filmmakers when they make shorts, and we all have made them, you know, at some point in our lives, that you should make something contained with like maybe two people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Chris yeah. came up with this great little story where there's two people trapped in this car, you know, and they have this very interesting interaction. And It just has this nice rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. And then bang, at the end, it's got this great, you know, cool little ending. And so, um, but it's going to keep your attention, you know. Yeah.
3: It's like a short play, too, where it's it's the same. Awesome. It's the same basic premise Mm -hmm. of, like, you can't Mm -hmm. do too much. And Mm -hmm. you have to make it concentrated, punch in the face, fun, enjoyable ride. Get in and get out. You know, and I think that's the interesting thing. We were talking about that like in seven minutes. What the other day. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly, like seven yeah. minutes. It's like, yeah, not even 10. You got seven. You know, seven and a half being the sweet spot. But there are some people who are like, yeah, you got to do 15. And, you know, and even that is sort of interesting. of just like how you would have to sort of reshape stories. Um, we used to do that in grad school where we had these five-minute play festivals every damn Friday. And you had to literally have a beginning, middle, in full story, in five minutes and you're like, this is impossible. And then you're like, actually it is possible. You just got to like hit it. So I love that. It's
2: very possible. Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
0: It's, I mean, it's, it's an excellent exercise to get to, um, uh, you know, like to teach yourself to strip everything down and just and do the essentials of what you got to do. Set your characters, you know, set their wants and goals and shit, and this, and then also kind of ex, ex, explore them and then end it quick. Cause you know, it's like a lot of times, you know, like some of the stuff that, some of the stuff that we're going through on our show, which is, you know, it's endemic on every production, um, in terms of like you got to make rewrites because of budgets or a location falls through or, and then that's like compounded now by the, um, the COVID, in terms of like how much they anticipate shooting, because I was looking at the shooting schedule the other day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this looks normal." I was like, <laughs> "For a, I was like, but for a movie, not for a TV show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like crazy. y'all only doing two and a half pa- y'all only doing two and a half pages today. That's all, shit.
2: That's crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very are you highly. guys? Oh, I can't even answer that question. when you can do it, well, I'll ask you. I was about to say, do you guys do a lot more green screen and blah blah? Never mind.
3: Uh, (laughs) I mean, but the interesting thing is that like, yeah, like COVID is changing sort of the way everything's working, you know, nobody's shooting as much and you'd be like, dang, used to be able to get like stuff done like you're like, okay, we're like moving, moving, moving. If you made the 12, you know, it was great. But like, if you could get that extra thing in where now it's like, even to get to our 12 because of COVID protocols, like you're not even getting in a full 12 day, like you're not getting in as many scenes because everything takes longer. Everything takes longer to set up. Everything takes longer to do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. With
0: the, yeah. I mean, like, you know, because of the cool, cool thing that we have is that, you, you know, I'm sure most shows have this now, is that there's a live link to what the cameras are seeing. So so for okay, us who like aren't it. there that day on set, you know... You don't what? like it?
3: I absolutely don't like it. You don't Mainly like it Mainly because it's the live link is cool insofar as you can see but it's literally like pointless because you can't actually communicate with anybody like you can't talk to nobody like you were literally sending smoke signals into oh, the ether right. and having to send text oh for messages. sure and i was like what the mm-hmm. hell kind of communication is yeah. this? like yeah. you can't communicate with people <laughs> over text like you just can't like words get you know like things get misconstrued if you're literally like Mm-mm, mm. hey remember this they think you're yelling and it's sure. like oh, i'm not yelling at you i'm just saying Maybe, just maybe, there's something broken on the floor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, small things turn into big things over text. <laughs> and it's like, your love life turn work life. Like, you know, yeah. people get into arguments over bad texts between, like, you know, you and your lover or you and your husband, wife, siblings, whatever. It's like that, but worse. And worse, because they don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> like... I know my sister when she's right. being like, you know what I mean, right. sarcastic. But these people don't know you; they've never met you uh, except for like on this. So, girl, I was not a fan. Not I liked the the watching part. The communication part needs work because the idea that you're supposed to be able to communicate with your director or your actors or anybody via text message is like asinine. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but there's not really another it's way. Well, it's right it's now terrible. to do it. it yeah, cuz people act as if you're still on set. But no, you're not. No, but, right? I mean, so they I mean, asking means... you questions <laughs> that you can't answer in text. You would be like, "Well, I mean, mm-hmm. call me. Just call me cuz it's like 2 yeah. seconds if you just call me." <laughs> <laughs> but that's the
0: thing though. People don't like the like a phone call is such a like it's such an anathema to people today. Like, "Oh my god, I got to actually talk on my smartphone and use my voice." I you know, it's like it's fucked up. But you're right. It's like you can't get any nuance from a text, and and so much of like what we're communicating is about is it's about nuance. It's about subtext. It's about that that like that little emotional change you need. On this, can we do this a little differently here because of that? And you can't really, you know. I mean, I mean, it, you see this when you direct a lot of times is that, that you kind of like you act out stuff. To the to the to the director to the actors like hey what you know you might use your hands you do you're gonna use your hands and you can't do any of that um,
3: Granted, it but might it's be just a interesting thing. that
0: you know that, that that's <laughs> what they think that they can get away with.
3: <laughs> I was like, no, but I mean, it might be a black thing too. Like, you know what I mean? Talking there's with your a- hands and like hearing the like the emotive nature of it. But like, it was really difficult. And I felt so bad Remember? for my porn mm-hmm. director because I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy because it also is a thing that they can just ignore and nobody looks at. And I'm like, yo, there's a thing that's a problem and ain't nobody see it. Like, I can see it on the camera and you're like, okay, this thing is happening right here. Like, can somebody see it? And then will be a half an hour later and they're like, oh, I wish I'd have seen the text. And you'd be like, I, I don't know what else to do Like, you know, you just basically feel like You're sending out fire alarms And it, it, to just me, to... it's annoying Because I don't like micromanaging That yeah, is not um, my style I, I don't like micromanaging.
2: Right I was just about to say, Bianca, it's funny And for the writers in, out there and filmmakers Who have never, you know, shot a TV series And during this time Because it used to be, and you know, Bianca They would send that to you at night And you could just watch it on your own time You know on, on the link that they send everybody, and now it's like in real time <laughs> because every nobody's there at all, you know, except for maybe the showrunner and maybe a co B or something. So nobody really gets to go to set anymore. So they're actually showing the dailies live as they actually shoot. So it's like this weird thing that's going on, you know. And and so um, I always worry about now that the communication is through a text. Well, we're on sets. All our phones are on silent or airplane mode. Yeah. So who who's gonna see it? They right. got Who's gonna just be sitting by their phone? Nobody. No, I mean,
0: you know I'm, I'm, I mean, it's like I remember the other day. A, I mean, like the first day I was down there, which is like.
2: Go ahead, no, Bianca. Like sorry, let, let him finish first. Sorry, what are you saying, Bianca?
3: Sorry, I was gonna say there's there's an other yeah. thing where for me a conversation that should be private right? Like I'm very much like pull the director side, whispering. It's just me and that person having a conversation. Yeah. Now, if it's a text and I have to also text the script coordinator and mm-hmm. the assistant director, like I got to text other people to make so somebody sees that text if the director isn't seeing it. So suddenly what should be a personal conversation mm-hmm. feels like you're undermining, for me anyways, constantly feels like I don't want to undermine a director on a set. Like I always think that like, yeah, okay, I wrote it, and yeah, this is a definitely yeah. a um, collaboration sort of situation, but also because I've been an actor, and there's nothing worse than having too many people telling you directions, so for me, I always prefer that any notes as much as yeah. possible can come from the director, and I know that that should, that people are like, that's supposed to be beat, but it's not how it is a lot, right? Like, sometimes there's like five different people talking to the actors and trying <laughs> to explain <laughs> stuff, and I just, I personally right. really hate it, so... When I give a note to a director, I want it to be just to me and the director, like a whisper section, right? Like I can tell you whatever I need to tell you and ain't nobody else involved, Mm -hmm. right? But now with text, it required me to have like three or four people on the chain, right? Like it's not a private conversation and you constantly trying not to like in text, you know, undermine a director who you've never met, you've never talked to. It just, it feels like there's a weird power thing that like, it's just something I don't enjoy.
2: What were you saying, Chris?
3: No, I mean, I
0: mean, yeah, just, I just remember the other day, I mean, whatever. Like the first day I went, I went to set, I think it was like the first day of shooting we were on the stages, and it was like, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be cool to be up there, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like you can't even get close to any of it because, for us at least, you know, there's like different badges you wear that have different kind of, they're color-coded for how close you can get to certain people on set. Like, okay, like oh, this wow. one gives you access to the set. But this one gives you access to the actors, like when they take their masks off. You know, it's like this whole kind of thing. And I was like, you know what? I have access to be there from when the actors take their masks off, but like, I don't need to be there. And it's just another body taking up space, and everyone's got a social justice anyway. So I just was like, okay, I'll just watch the link. I mean, it's 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 not uh, it's not ideal on any level. I mean, from the point of view of like from like my own edification, like as a crafts member, you know, as a crafts person, it's like, there's it, it's interesting stuff to see how they're doing certain kind of visual effects. Cause I was like, oh, I was wondering how they did this, you know? And so, so, so I'm, so seeing that is interesting, but um yeah, but I mean, I can't wait till this is, this part is gone. Uh, Cause it's, it, it, because it, it takes a lot of the Excitement about actually like making like like the project interesting, you know, because you're just writing, which is fine, which is totally fine, but you're just writing, so um, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. So, okay. on to our topic um, at hand, what is sure. our topic at hand?
2: Yeah, if, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. So, today, wait, hold up, hold up, How How I didn't get no energy building.
3: Um, I'm doing that now. I, I saw. Sorry, it's it delay You didn't also, hear. Shit. Oh. <laughs> I
2: know it's really weird. Sorry, Bianca. Um, so anyway, we got my girl in the building, Bianca Sam's. Everybody, writer, producer, playwright, director, everything. You you know the Wu Tang Clan. She's my co-chair <laughs> on the uh, uh, committee of Black Writers at the Writers Guild. Out there doing big things. Yes, I always call you just the co, the co, um, the co. Why can't I speak? I always do that when I start talking too much. <laughs> My co-chair, because, damn it, you deserve it. Um, oh, you've elevated us, and we're better because of you. So we appreciate you, um, for sure. Um, anyway, we got Bianca Sams in the building. We So Bianca and I have been on Clubhouse a lot and <laughs> talking about a lot of you know shit that's going on, either at the Guild, um, things about things that happen at the Guild, Um, things about black bodies, about writing black characters, lots of things. And so, Bianca, uh, we were texting about something the other other day, and she was like, oh, and we need to talk about these things on the podcast. I was like, oh, come on, bitch, come on the show. (laughs) You know what I mean? So welcome to the show, (laughs) Bianca, and I'll I'll let you do the intro on what you want to talk about and all that stuff like that.
3: Hi, nice to see you guys. I mean, you guys can't see me on the podcast, but I can see uh, Hilliard and I can't see Chris, but that's okay. Um, I'm good. I it is Sunday. I went for a nice little hike, um, which was nice because I have not been out of my apartment in like months. Like I've just been oh like, ain't hey, wear masks in LA? I need to like, stay indoors. <laughs> so I've been like super staying indoors. And then I have like a crack moment of like, okay, let's just go to a nice little hikey path. We ain't got to see people put on a mask, and it's fine. So I walked for an hour, and so I am in a good mood and spirit. And like you said, we were on a clubhouse. I don't remember what we were talking about, but it was very much. Um, and it was something we also did with TTIE um, as a panel for the community of Black Writers and also um, Black History Month, which is about, you know, they have these awesome white pages, basically, they're like one or two sheets about different um, sort of like... Topic starters for like ethnic, different minority groups. Sometimes they're ethnic. Sometimes I know they're doing one for disabilities, and they do. they I think they're coming out with one for LGBTQIA. So most of it is some of it is like, hey, these are the overused stereotypes and and why they are detrimental, and here you know kinds of stories that we would love to be able to do. Um, and they worked with a bunch of nonprofits in order to be able to create you know these white pages. So. They're really, really exciting. It was really great conversation to have within the guild, but then we constantly end up in these rooms on Clubhouse and there are these weird conversations happening and, and a lot about like who has the right to tell what and, and this and that and not thinking about it in sort of like, it's not about whether you have a right to tell a story or not. It is about how you tell that story. Are you interested in authentic stories sh- um, or not? Or are you interested in caring that the people from that community might not like how you are depicting them? And the the problems with how you're depicting them is also creating problems in the real world that they have to deal with that you might not have to deal with. So there's all these elaborate conversations currently ha- happening about sort of authentic storytelling, but in particular, because of black history month um, or it is at least when taping, um, this is dropping tomorrow. So about, April you know, the black body on screen. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, well, we just got on the, you know, the other side, but it's interesting that like, you know, it's been a year since Aubrey died, right? It was like nine years since Trayvon Martin, you know, in February, you know, both getting gunned down for being black males and having these stereotypes of what that means of a black male in a hoodie, a black male walking around like you can't go for a jog. You couldn't go get iced tea and some Skittles right without being profiled. And some of that is on the, the onus of that is very much on both the news media and the entertainment field and how we keep showing, you know, Black people. Same with women. It's like Sandra Bland. Uh, you know, Breonna Taylor. These things happen years apart, but like the distance that I, Like the being desensitized to violence against brown bodies, particularly black, whether they're male or female, is a problem, right? And so, really wanting to have a conversation about just what we as creatives need to start thinking about when we're creating. Narratives, both people who are people of color, people who are black, but particularly if you are not of this group and you want to tell our stories, can we like have a chop up session about like you know what I mean? (laughs) What stories we are and how those stories impact us? Right, showing us as constantly being these aggressive, violent people. This narrative has direct impact on people's lives right it has direct impact on people fearing us has direct impact on like how i have to do my job every day you know if i talk like i'm talking right now some people are like oh she's angry but i'm like i am not angry like i'm literally not like so yeah let's chop it up about that let's just and, let's and have then, a little little real talk pull up the and, chair have some tea and then your Bianca word, and her
0: tea uh, Bianca. that's her favorite
2: boy she said so- yes <laughs> you're so aggressive
3: auntie entity from mad max three and it's also interesting (laughs) (laughs) no but it's crazy i mean it is also it's like for me it's also this place of like gender and where gender and race meet because if i was a dude half the time people would never fuck with me but like honestly Mm -hmm. there are times where like I'm, i'm literally looking at people like This dude just yelled at people for five minutes yesterday and never once called aggressive. I am not even raising my voice, but I'm just real clear with my words. And now I'm aggressive. Like that kind of stuff is so it's just frustrating. Um, And a lot of that is very much based on repetition of what we see. Right. There's so many people who don't spend time with black people or don't spend time with black women or don't spend time with women. Let's be real. Um, And so, you know, if we're consistently showing only one kind of confidence for a woman and one kind of confidence or what that means for a black woman or men saying, oh, you're very, very assertive, therefore you are. I'm being emasculated. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of projection happening that has nothing to do with me. There's a lot of to do with yeah. folks needing to go to therapy and do what they own stuff. But like at this point in my life, I've started pushing back against because before I would feel Bianca's being aggressive and I would try to to be smaller in order to not you know, disrupt or not feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being difficult or whatever the word may be. And then at a certain point I was like, look, I had to tie myself in every kind of pretzel trying <laughs> and it would just be real fast. If I just say the thing I need to say and we get done with it. You, you can have whatever reaction you want. If you don't like it, that's cool. But like, let me just say what I need to say. And then you can do what you want to do. So well, it's
2: interesting. No, that's fascinating. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris.
0: So, I mean, look, I feel what you're saying about the where, like, the gender and the race thing hit is something that a lot of people are um, they undervalue that a lot because you know, there's such a like, I, I think you said it great. There's such an there's such an insensitivity to it. And I mean, our society doesn't treat women right. Our society doesn't treat black people right. And then you just, and I think the thing that's, I, I think people to a certain degree think that that's like simple arithmetic. It's just like, well, it's, probably, it's plus and plus. But I think a lot of times it's, it's more like it's a, there's an exponential factor in that because you almost don't know how crazy someone's going to respond to someone black. And then the fact that you're a woman, it's like now it could be, you know, it's, it's maybe to power of four. You know, I mean, I think it just depends on, on what the individual's, like, I like, kind of, like, you know, perception is that has been, you know, like, wrongly set up by that they watch, the, sit from the movies and TV all the time. I mean, there's no shortage of, you know, the like, love of, like, the poor image, it's just the poor image of someone black. I mean, I see it all the fucking time. Like, I mean, like, I remember watching this movie that was just on recently, A Promising Young Woman, right? And there's, like, a scene with a black guy who is treating, you know, it's, it's all about these men who are, like, treating this woman kind of like an object. And they're trying to, like, get over on her sexually, but she's tricking them. And it's, like, the first two white guys who do it, like, get embarrassed. But but the black guy that she does the same trick to, like, they make him, like, run away and, and call for his mama in some high voice. And I'm kind of like, why did I do the why brother like that? You know, like that seemed like, like it was too much for what you were trying to do. It was, and it, and it was very specific for what what they did. And I was kind of like, that's the kind of bullshit that you see that that immediately makes me say, that filmmaker, that woman from England, that white woman. She felt she could do this because she doesn't. She doesn't hang around enough black people like to, like to know that that's how some you know like 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 th- that's how offensive that can be. I mean, I, in terms of you were saying earlier about could, like, who has the right to tell someone's story? I mean, I think that's one of these things that happens when it's like there's this strong degree of policing that goes on about like ownership of something. But I think also what you said, which to me is fucked up. But I think about I, I think what you said is like is the crux of it all. Is like you know, are you going to be authentic to it, and are you going to be mindful of the ripples that you're creating if you actively do it wrong because you can just be told something by someone who's who's who's, who's trying to speak nice to you about some shit as opposed to saying man that's a fucked up what to treat so black on screen because you're not going to say that to them you know if they're, if they're your boss so, <laughs> you know so you turn around and say it in a way that they're like okay i get it but they'll probably ignore you i mean i, I mean i mean like yesterday here when we were on that when we were on that um uh, that Zoom call yesterday, and that that there's that guy he was telling us about a story about how how he got dragged on an episode because there was a conversation about you know who was more oppressed like like two different like two different like like two different like people of color having this conversation about like like, like who's more oppressed and this black guy got dragged on it on social media because his name was on the script. But that scene was rewritten by his white showrunner, you know, and, 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 and that's fucked up because he's taking the blowback and she's not even addressing it. And he was saying that, like, the actors were pushing back and the director was pushing back. And the white person who was in charge of the show was like, I don't give a fuck. Y'all don't have the right to tell me what to do like, on my show. I'm going to do it my way. And then escaped all blame. You know, what, like like when that shit came down. Yep. You know. And I just feel. Child. Yeah. And I, I just feel is. like I have you know, nearly gotten
3: fired so many times for that because.
2: <laughs> what was that, Bianca?
3: I said I have nearly gotten fired so many times for stuff like that because I'm like, if my name is on it and I'm gonna be the one who's about to get hit and crucified, then I should have the right to say, this is a landmine. Right, because I'm going to be the one who gets hit for this, and there have been so many times that I've just gotten in trouble because I'm like, I'm not, I am not doing that. Like, y'all can do what you want to, please put your name on it, but you know, and it's not always about race; sometimes about other things. But you're just like, that's toxic. That I cannot do. There's some stuff that I don't have any control over, right? Like, there's some cringy stuff that's been in scripts that been rewritten, and I'm like, okay, well. At least it's not a landmine for which I feel like I'm going to get crucified or it doesn't negatively affect community. Meaning if there's like a line that's kind of crappy, you're like, yeah, that's a bad line. Cool. (laughs) But if it's something that it's like toxic love is like one of my absolute... I was on a show once where there was a storyline where a guy was supposed to tell a girl he loved her and then murder her by the end of the episode and i was like fuck no
2: like (laughs) absolutely not
3: sorry for swearing but i was just like that is not love I i don't know what that is like that is absolutely not love and that will not be in i won't tell that story i'm not telling that story i cannot tell that story and i think there are points where this is an example of people needing to listen if you hire us listen right? Like, it's not even defensiveness. There are times where there's like, man, we just went into a skid we did not need to go into. And even what you were saying, Chris, about, you know, that movie was like, why is sexuality a weapon? Like, that is one of the reasons why, again, it's like internalized misogyny. Like, you're saying that this woman is basically weaponizing sexuality against these men who are objectifying her, which I get is like a po- is supposed to be empowering, but like you're also now saying the only way in which I as a woman, or maybe not the only way, but in the movie, that's the telling's whole narrative about that. Like that's complicated. Now you've weaponized it. Now it's sort of like, oh well if she pushes back, then she's this. That continues this this emasculation slash angry woman slash whatever hormonal, whatever we like to say, because it's been called a million different things, you call them hysterical, whatever. Th- those things don't help either, right? Like I could tell somebody off, but that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's it's so complicated and, and it's on so many levels and layers that you have the racist thing with the, that particular guy, but then you also have to sit back and question... And I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not talking about that in, in general, but there is a thing often with women being empowered, and you can't see me doing air quotes, but empowered, that reco- that's always used around sexuality, and it's usually around men, and it's usually around weaponizing their sexuality with men, and pushing back, instead of like the idea that like I can be strong and assertive in, in, in work. Because then that's when I'm seen as aggressive, right? Like when women are doing well at work, then it's sort of like everything else in their life has to be shitty too, right? Like they can't be, like guys can have it all, but we're constantly doing this thing where like, I either have to enforce my power in sex as a woman, or if I do it in work, then I'm emasculating somebody or I'm, you know what I mean? Like there's never a healthy version of these things. And that's kind of sad.
2: So let me ask you, let's go through some of the things on the um, Think Tank um, inclusion and equity um, thing that they put out. Um, so they're talking about overrepresented stories and harmful stereotypes. And the other one they were talking about were things we'd like to see more of. You have it in front of you, B? Are, are you asking me if I I was asking Bianca, I'm sorry, if she had it in front of her. We don't have to go no, through No, sorry, all I'm of pulling them, it up we can, we can you go know through I should have had it, but I- okay. um, You have it?
3: Uh, yeah, let me first. find it. Um, do you have it, Chris?
2: Uh, hold on. I have it up in front of me. I um, <clears throat> just want to make sure moving. the two of you guys are ready. Oh, here it yeah, is. No fact problem. sheets.
3: There they
2: are. Let's talk well, about Well, I knew some there was one about colorism. Um, but I like some of these topics, I think, it could be at least some I'm interesting things up. we could talk about. Um, uh, for example, you know, black pain. Yes. Black pain is a, is a is a. I'm
3: I'm better.
2: Yeah, black pain to Oof. me is a big one. Um, that that a lot of white folks, mm-hmm. producers, directors, you know, uh, executives don't quite understand. And that was the one thing I know that when when Bianca before we put out that letter last year, the deal through Hollywood letter, and we were meeting with the board and yeah. some of the other people, one of the things we were talking about was exactly black love. I'm sorry, um, Black Pain, and 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 the state we were right. feeling it was it was June. So when was when was um, when was George Floyd? Was that May? It was like yeah, like it was right before like Memorial Day weekend. That was May. Okay, all right. So April- well, the crazy thing it was
3: yeah, it was the same day as the Central Park thing.
2: Oh, okay. They were the same right.
3: exact day, but that one came out on Wednesday.
2: Right. And so one of the things we were talking about was and this is something I know we've talked about also be on on Clubhouse. And, and Chris, we've talked about on this podcast many times before is the state and the climate that we're in causes black pain in different ways. Right. right. And so after what happened to George Floyd and and, um, mm-hmm. uh, and all these other pe- people, it caused such a thing inside of us. And as you guys know, I talk about this a lot that I drive around town in my, you know, 1975 Starskin Hutch car. I was worried before. I'm like 10 times more worried driving around in my car now, you know, whereas before I just had a little sense of eh, I'm cool. I'm driving around Hollywood. Now I'm like, hmm, should I even drive it today? Like I have a whole new state that around West Hollywood, I'm comfortable. Because I know a lot of the cops know me because they actually park on the lot where I have my office. So they see my car and they wave at me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So they know that there's a brother driving that car. As soon as I get out of West Hollywood, I get nervous. You know? So we are always, you know, involved in this deep pain that we're dealing with. You know what I mean? So let's talk about that from your points of view. Go ahead, B. Oh, Chris, go ahead.
3: I think what's interesting about that is that uh, there's a couple of different things there, right? Because there's, I feel like there's one version that people go so far in the opposite direction so that it's not reality. And then they go so far into it that it's trauma porn, right? Like those end up being like <laughs> where we are. And they don't ever get, I think for me, the difference is between representational, presentational, and like actual realization of what that pain means. And I feel like too often it is very representational. You wanna do this action on screen. It's not about that person. It is just this this presentation of trauma, right? You don't deal with the repercussions of it. You don't deal with the emotions of it. And if you do, you do it on a superficial level and it's never complicated, it's never complex. Um, on TV and film and that is really difficult. And it's like, we have to get past the trauma porn. We have to get past the place that something just happens to someone and the idea that like, you know, too often you hear, well, I would do this if this was what I, and I would be so mad. And it's like, boo, you would stay mad. You would stay mad. And there are days in which like things happen so frequently and so regularly that you have to sometimes process and think how am I about to react to this today? You catch me on a wrong day, you yeah. might get cursed out. You catch me on another day, I might explain it to you. You catch me on another day, I might just turn around and walk in the opposite direction. And the reality is, like, that is what being Black in America always is. That, like, sometimes you're just here for it. Like, I got the time, the day to have that conversation with you. And sometimes you don't, but we don't have those nuances when it comes to to rep like the way we put it in scripts and so there there tends to be and like even when i've had to do it in scripts it ends up so formula like it's so on the surface like to get any nuance is hard it's like you can get some but you really don't get to get into it because often it's like oh that's going to be too heavy we don't talk about therapy Right? We don't talk about the person maybe not being okay. Like I'm a, I'm cool because I can go talk to my friends and I'm not about to like go kill somebody, but that doesn't mean there's not a scar there. Right. That doesn't mean that doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean I don't need therapy to go deal with the nonsense that y'all projecting at me that has nothing to do with me. And so the trauma thing I think is hard because as a person who tends to write about trauma, but not about it in a presentational way, but in a way to take you over it. Because bad shit happens whether you're black, white, male, female, like it happens to all of us, but what we don't ever see on TV or film or rarely see is how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it in a healthy way? How do we stop getting hurt and then hurting other people? How do we stop T- pushing into it. We just leave it at the representation. We just leave it at the presentation. We just leave it at the initial emotion. Like so often we never push past that. So the problem with it is also that like, now we're like, okay, we only have to have happy black movies. <laughs> we only have to have happy black shows. And it's like, my life is complicated. I am happy. I'm having a good time. I'm having a great day, but that doesn't mean when I walk out of here to get in my car, that somebody's not going to stop me and look at me twice. Like how you getting in that car? And I had somebody ask me that, like, what is this with these young black people driving nice cars? Excuse me? <laughs> First of all, why are you worried about my car? And second of all, what is this thing? Do you think I don't deserve this? Right? Like, why are you worried about my car? Wait a minute, right? wait, like, a, minute, wait again, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's that thing where it's like.
0: <laughs> somebody <laughs> asked, asked you, face, why is this thing about black people in nice <laughs> cars? Wow, is but But see, here's the thing. That goes back to what you see in 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 like in in, in music yeah. videos, for, and that's the thing too. Like music, see, I think music videos are extra detrimental in a certain way because it's like it's just usually black filmmakers who are making those th- making those movies or making those videos, and it's like. But the image is then being broadcast around, and white people are seeing it, and they're seeing these black people like driving my box and all, burning them up and shit like that, and treating them like shit. There's just and there's that sense of like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's not. It's like that thing. It's like that's not for you, black boy. That's not for you, black girl. Um, and but to me, it's like that's not your job to tell me what the fuck is for me or not. Um, but it's interesting you say. Uh, uh you, well, you know the trauma thing is interesting. You know, I mean, like, you know, both of you know, I wrote,
3: but now you are angry, Chris. <laughs> well, Why are look, you
2: angry, Chris?
0: Look, I got a right to be hostile my, because my people were persecuted. Um, so anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, no, but you, okay, look, but but both of you know, I wrote that article about the the, the police thing, right, last year, right. And uh, and, I, I, and I, I've been happy, lucky the last year because I've not been driving a lot. You know, there's no need to drive a lot. We're not, like like we're in our houses most often. But the other day, I was driving to Westwood to pick something up. It was at night, and there was like some. And I was going up Santa Monica Boulevard through Beverly Hills, and there and I, there was some traffic shit going crazy. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna cut through the neighborhood and and, and, and get over on Wilshire to like through that little back road. And I did that, and the minute I turned back on the Wilshire, like right there by the Beverly Hills Hotel, I see these white I, I see these red and blue lights flashing. And they're at the next block. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, god damn it. And like and like and like I notice my fingers get tingly and I'm driving closer and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And it's just like a little box that's, that's flashing. It's not even a car, you know? And I was like, this is fucked up because I mean, for me particularly, like it's instilling fear in me. And, and, and it's just to kind of like show someone like, Hey, you know, be careful right here. And my thing is like, it didn't need to be, it didn't need to be the blue and red lights. It could have been a white light. It could have been a yellow light. It should have been a yellow light. Cause it was just, cause it was just like, Hey, be, Hey, caution here.
2: You know, slow down, I, right? Yeah, right. slow
0: down. But that's that's not how it was. It was more like, and I was, and I, and I, and, and I was, and I came back that way, and I knew it was there. But I kept saying to myself, "It's still here. They don't need it on. They're just like doing this because I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure if white people know what they're doing when they do that. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's such a level of like, uh, willful ignorance and you know, like willful, I don't have time to be to be empathetic for to anybody else, particularly someone who has been demonized by the media for me. So
2: it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. It's real fucked up. No, that makes sense. That part. (laughs) So I was looking at the the first one under Black Pain and it says the definition for this particular one is lives filled with great pain, sadness and tragedy until and unless someone else, usually a white person, brings joy and rescue. It's funny how close that one is though, Bianca and Chris, to um the white savior when you when you read it toward the end, you're not sure where it's going. But it's uh, it's yes. interesting. What do you
3: think about that? But it's also that like you're waiting for somebody else to rescue you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that <laughs> each version of this is, it is very much the savior complex and also the white savior complex of like, okay, my life is just poverty and and detriment. And I couldn't possibly lift my finger to do anything until somebody else does it. Right. Um, (laughs) And so I'm not, I'm not a fan of any savior, savior moments. Like I even as a person, like I said, I tend to write about trauma in my plays, like from, you know, more of an adaptive maladaptive ways, I always look at as people being allies, right? So even if a character is helping another character, they're not fixing it for them. They're not coming in to be a savior. Nine times out of 10, they're coming up alongside them to help them to try to show them, but like, let them do it. Because to me, that's how you get through these conversations about pain and black trauma without the savior. Because somebody was like, well, does that mean you can't have white people in these stories helping and whatever? And I was like, but there's a difference between being an ally and being a savior. And the difference is you don't step in front of that person. You step behind them or beside them, probably a couple steps behind. Let them get through it. That makes you an ally because it's not necessarily your fight. It is yours to, If you want to help, help. But don't usurp. Don't step in the way of. And if there's a point in which a person from that community can talk, let them talk for themselves. If that person's not in the room and you have the ability to say something cool, say something, but also advocate for them people to be in the room. Because I shouldn't have to talk for somebody who's LGBTQIA because I'm not. Do I have a lot of friends who are? Yes. Do I have experiences of theirs that I can share? Sure. But there's parts of that that I have no, I don't think that like I can fully 100% say anything to, I can just give examples right like i'm not trying to say i understand this because i don't think that's that's not my experience i can see analogies to what some of the things i've seen to my personal experience but i try not to speak for other people in a way because i know that i would hate for somebody to speak to me to be like well as a black man talking about black women it's like um boo we do not have things the same and I have to tell my husband that all the time. I love him. But there's times where he's like, well, this is like black people. And I'm like, okay, you're a black dude. You are six two. you know what I mean? Like you are a tall black man who walks through the world very differently than your very small black wife who cannot get away with certain things. So like recognizing even still that like everybody moves through the world slightly differently. And so the narrative of any kind of savior to me, whoever it may be, because the opposite i mean there's other narratives like that that are not white saviors but are that colorism savior right which colorism is also on the list and we don't really talk about so it's usually like the light-skinned person comes in to tell their dark-skinned brother and like how to get their life right and it's just like (laughs) it's that same thing or you you could do it with like different well you know because we have the ability to do that airports but there's that, right, Chris? but I'm saying it's, oh, like yeah. model minority. All there's all there's different you versions know, of the
0: same. You thing. know, I'm
3: joking. Like, <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm just saying, like, it's a weird moment where it's like we often attribute it to white people, but I don't think that that's always the case.
0: You're absolutely right. You're it, no, I know. You're absolutely right, and I think that what is interesting that you said was about. Um, I mean the thing about the savior thing, right? I think the savior thing is kind of fucked up because it stems from the the base of Western society. This this thing about Christianity. And it's like there's this there's this entity outside of us that will save us. And so as a I mean, there's I mean like the, the narrative of us, you know, changing our lives and 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 adjusting on our own. But
3: even that is is not actually it's not the same, right? Like if, if you look you at go- Christian narratives, like the way we've placed it is that, but like he pulled up side folks, right? Like he talked to people. He didn't just come and save you. Right? So even the way we talk about Christianity no, 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 no. is interesting. But it very much is that like savior hero western imperialism You know, we need to take the savages and, you know, rehabilitate them and use things to cudgel. But it's not necessarily just Christianity because that stuff happened way before, right? Like, pick a crusade, pick a thing. This has always been the case. And white people against white people, right? They did the same thing in Ireland. They did the same thing in Scotland. Like, it is very much using things to see yourself as a savior because you don't want to look at the bad shit you do. Right, you always want to spin it in a good way. So I think, in the well, yeah. well, well, way, yes. Well,
0: but yeah, but I mean, I think that's the point. I think that's also why um, stories about mental health and about therapy and stuff like that are 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 rare because that's asking you to do the work on yourself. And that's challenging. And that's, and as, I think to a certain degree, it's, kind, it's like it's, a, it's, a, it's an internal state that you're trying to traverse that I feel people find difficult to express that in a, a visual medium. But I think that's also kind of lazy. And I think that people will go to the lazy because it's, you know, the, the lazy is usually easier. And I think it's I mean the, I mean like this, like I mean, we all have the wisdom to save ourselves within inside of us, right? So we don't need someone to save us. And it's just that situation that I think that people, I mean to me, I feel like it's just endemic in the like like it, like in what Western culture is, hey, he, you know, you know like like Jesus Christ is our savior. Like we talk about that as if there's always going to be some outside force that can save us. Now, whether that is something that has been maligned and twisted by what's going on of, of where we are in like the 20s, 21st century in America, but I mean, in terms of what is act, the actual teachings from Christ, you know, I mean, look, I was telling somebody the other day about that story that's in the Grand Inquisitor, that's in the Brothers Karamazov, where it's like if Christ came back during the during the Spanish Inquisition, he'd be killed. They put him to death because he be, because because his precepts yep. have been twisted so much from what he originally did that they were like motherfucker, Today. like what are you talking about? Like kill him, kill him, yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I mean, mean, that's my issue with savior stuff. It's interesting.
3: It's like, no, I'm saying it's even today, right? Like there are people fighting to keep people in poverty. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic and there are people who call themselves Christian who are literally fighting against people, getting basic care, getting basic food, water, like he'd be murdered today. But like, for me, what I'm saying is, I don't know. I I, I don't look at saviors just being like black and white. I think there's a problem with that. Like, we do need other people, right? Like it takes a village. I can't always save myself. I do need other people in my life, but there's a difference between the idea that it's an unequal power structure. It is an unequal thing and I can't do anything for you. You just have to walk in, waltz in, hit me with a wand and suddenly my life is better. That version of the savior complex conversation I think is toxic versus it takes a village it takes a vi- there are people who have spoken wisdom into me who have saved my life right there are friends that i have who will rock up on a day that i need it and they will give me wisdom and they will save me but there but there that's a relationship right? And we we see each other as a community, as an iron sharpen iron community. So sometimes I'm the one who rocks up and helps them. And sometimes we just sit in side by side and we're fighting back to back. And I think that version of having a conversation about saving each other, where it's not about a power dynamic where I'm better than you or I have to fix your things, but we are together. We are these boats together, fighting together. That kind of conversation, I was like, That's different. That's not the savior complex. That's not the Western thing where it's like, I always have to be seen as the good guy and I can never be weak and I can never have issues and there can never be chinks in my armor. That is to me the toxicity of this savior complex, not the fact that people are being saved. Because I do think there are times when you need people to to pour into you so that you can get to where you need to go. So I'm I'm not even advocating for narratives that doesn't show that, but I think it is toxic to do the power dynamic where one person is all powerful and the other person's just pitiful because they can't, you know what I mean? Like they can't get their life right without that person in a way that's not healthy. It just keeps perpetuating the same nonsense.
2: So these are, are things that we're right now we're on the list of over, overrepresented stories and harmful stereotypes. So we're going to skip over this next one, the colorblind existence. You kind of covered it a little bit, Bianca, um, but let's get to the magical Negro. This one, this one, I know I talk about a lot. Um, so I'm curious to get you guys' insight on, the, on it. Also, is but the so Speak on
3: it, sir. Speak on it.
2: <laughs> the definition they have on it is <clears throat> uh, the magical Negro, African Americans who are patient, wise, and may use magical powers to benefit others with little to no regard for themselves. So every time I've heard this particular um, reference to the Magical Negro, it's always Will Smith and um, what's that golf movie? Why am I going blank on it? Chris? Yeah, The, the yeah, Legend of Blacker Vance. And it's either that or um, The Green oh, Mile. Vance.
3: Sorry.
2: Yeah, The Legend of Blacker Vance, is that what it is? And um, Or, or, or the, is it The Green Mile? Yeah, so it's called, yeah. yeah. Um, um, Like stuff like that where you see these characters usually do something for white people to help them, you know. And it's it's a fascinating thing. Um, I remember yeah. um, you saw that thing Mich- uh, that Michelle put out the other day where um, uh, Taraji P. Henson was talking about the movie she did with Brad Pitt. She only ended up with like $40,000 yes. after paying everybody. And like that was a movie that where she kind of was button. a little – yeah, she was a little. It was a little yeah. magical Negro thing in that to me too, but it's always us doing something to help yeah. somebody white succeed in their lives. You know what I mean? So I wanted to get you guys' input on those, what you thought about that.
3: Right, with nothing. Did I tell you? Did I tell you about this book? It's called. Um, it's like his Bucks, Coons, Sofrida, and something else, and it's by Donald Bogle, and it's like one of my absolute favorite books that I used to love to teach when I was teaching. Um, because it gives such a great background to sort of where all these stereotypes stem from and these like things that come out of menstrualcy and these things that come out of slavery and all of these sort of archetypal stereotypes about Black people, right? And how that particular magical Negro definitely comes out of this idea of this sort of house Negro thing, the idea of the mammy, the people who coddle and, and take care of and, and help you know, it's like the, the, some of these things are, are different variations of those very early stereotypes of Blackness, right? Like we are here to serve. We are here to help. We are here to be beaten and cuddled and throw ourselves in front of harm's way if it only means that, you know, that person is saved. Um, But I think what's interesting is that we always talk about it when it comes to magic and we don't think about the same thing when it's a non-magical story because it's the exact same thing. You have the black friend, you've got the, you know, black sidekick, you've got the funny quirky guy. Like, you know, they're different tweaks on the same thing, but they're usually people who are only job, they ain't got no life, they got no story, they got no background. Their whole point in being there (laughs) is just to improve somebody else's life You might throw in a problem once and twice, but, like, you're not really there to deal with their issues. They're only there to serve somebody else. And that, to me, is when it gets really, really toxic.
2: Or to be the the comedian and the straight man, you know, so to speak, in most of the shows from the 80s and the 90s, you know what I mean? Or even the 2000s. You have have that a lot, whether it's Rush Hour or, you know, all those type of movies, you know, the 48 Hours. I think, Chris, what do you think about... um,
3: Beverly Hill Cop.
2: Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop, you know. Although he was the lead in that. Um, I was thinking about the the sidekick thing. I'm on something else, forgive me. Um, but I was thinking about um, one of the only ones that got it right, just spinning off of that, was, in my opinion at least, his lethal weapon. And it's probably because Danny Glover's character, I think, was written for somebody white at first. He had a family, you know, and all that other stuff. So it, it made their partnership, whereas usually the black guy would have played you know, um, why am I going to like Mel Gibson's character, you know what I mean, in a normal movie. Yeah, Martin Riggs. Yeah, Martin Riggs. And so, but the, I thought that was one of the few movies that kind of got it right in the sense of making the two of them be a little bit more equal in sense. But
3: even in that, it, they were. Go ahead. Yeah, they were partners, yeah. and I think that's like even in the Forty Eight Hours where he was the lead. There's times in which it, you still overtake with somebody else's story, like. Because that's another problem that we're seeing that we'll be like, they're the lead of the show. How could they possibly still be the magical Negro? And I'm like, they're the lead. And yet we don't get the same, you know what I mean? Amount of story and that other person's needs wants. still usurp the person who's supposed to be in the lead. But what I loved about that one very much is what you said. They were partners. They were, you know, like they both had pieces that were a bit of a mess about them and they really were iron sharpening iron kind of a relationship. And like, they allowed the black characters to step in if. Rick I don't was think over. that like script when he was, was interested written. In the daughter, no, but even when you get the multiples, once he, he's in that role, right? I think it's the second one when he was like kind of interested in the daughter, and he was like, "Oh hell no, back it up!" <laughs> right? Like that's not a thing that you used to be able to do, right? So that's all I'm saying. It's like yes, maybe at the beginning it wasn't written for a black person, and when they tried to do a real black story, it was not good. Uh, with the son, I did not love that that version. Um, But, you know, I do feel like they made efforts to make it more of an even, even partnership between those two characters versus a typical one where even if the black character is the lead, honestly, nine times out of 10, the white person's needs, wants, desires really steer the story in a way. Or like you know some of those other movies where it's supposed to be about a black guy, but it's really about the chauffeur teaching you how to you know, <laughs> drink sweet tea and
2: eat chicken. Um, <laughs> you're like, uh, okay. No,
3: but I. Yeah, but look, I, mean, I, I, I
2: no, but I. Yeah, but
0: look, I mean, I, I, I think *Lethal Weapon* was written for them both to be white and black like that, because kind of, it was kind of a response to. The, the like 48 hours and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that's what Shane Black had said. I mean, but I mean, look, that's like one movie of like how many? I mean, it's fucking insane. I mean, I mean, it's 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 sort of the 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 the, the construct of those kind of action films like that. Um, but I think again, it goes to what people being lazy because obviously, if you know the lethal weapon worked. Where you gave like both of them like 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 I mean like 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 Riggs's family's been murdered, you know. But he has this full life of that that you're dealing with this backstory and his Vietnam stuff, and it ties into some of the stuff in the plot. And then the same thing with fucking um uh with Danny Glover's right. character, like Mar- like Murtaugh, like he's got a story too. Be- yeah, you know, because because he knows the old guy. I mean, it's like it's it's like. That's a great example of like how do they like they're balanced. There's no one who knows like the, like each of what they know helps with the with with the continuation of solving what's going on, as opposed to like it's just one person's situation. Um, I mean, and that, that to me is like well, okay, so you have an example of where it works. Why does everyone else like fail when they do it? And maybe that's development I think notes. It's hard. You know, it's I'm sh- I'm sure it's it's hard for what it's hard for what.
3: No, I think it. Sometimes it's hard because something, something you said that I think is interesting. It's like it would work if, or there's less of a stigma if the story is told through one lens, right? I think it's the not taking it in consideration on how the story is changed by that lens being changed, right? Like if you write a thing for two white characters and you make one of them black, but you don't actually take into consideration how making one of those people black will alter what that is. It just naturally alters what it is. And it might be seen differently because the person who is saying it is different and the history and things that come out of that person is different. And that's, to me, it's not even just laziness. I think it, I'm constantly saying this thing and I, I try to say it again the same t- the way, but I always forget it. But like, there's this thing about those Benjamin Franklin glasses, right? And I think it's one of those movies uh, that, like, illustrates it. Those, like, you know, hunt movies, uh, treasure hunt, map movies. I forget what it's called. But, like, you know, it has, like, all of these different um, glasses. They're glasses, but they have different Oh, colors, national treasure. um Natural treasure, right? Like, you, you go up one, it's yellow, and you go up one, it's blue, and it's green. And there's all of these different spectrums in these glasses that he created. And depending on what color you're looking through, you will see certain messages, right? Like, certain things will come into view because you're seeing the world through a different colored lens. And the idea is that, like we all see our world through different color lenses. But if I'm, you're used to seeing it through just a clear lens, right? And you're not used to seeing the yellow spectrum and the blue stri- spectrum, there's stuff you miss, right? There's messages, there's stuff that you're not getting. And I think too often we're not writing specifically for a black person. And I'll just give a quick example and, and like how that goes wrong. There's an um, amazing and interesting musical called Assassins. That is very much about people who have assassinated presidents. It is the most warped, crazy, interesting musical I've seen in a while. I mean, it's old, but like it was really interesting. But there's this one song and this one character who uh, we in changed, they was changed into a black person, but there was no one taking full account of the fact that like, woo, okay, so this character sings a song that says going up to my lordy as he's walking up the stairs to go get hanged. And you're having a black body and a black man walk up a scaffold to a white dude, you know what I mean? Singing a step and fetch it style song, you know, in a black body, right? And it's like, but this was meant for a white person. Yeah, it is but you put a black person in this role which means it takes on a whole different context of what this means. I mean in this particular case they rolled over it and found some other things that made it complicated and terrible, but <laughs> the fact of just that, right? Like just no one taking into consideration that a black dude singing a song that very much sounds like step and fetch it as he's walking to his death was not taken in consideration, right? So I would have staged that
1: differently if kinda, I knew well, yeah, yeah.
3: that like, you know what I mean? Like the context and the history of that black man singing that song, it was not written for a black person. So I understand the idea that it was like, Oh, we want a diversity and they're all assassins. And I'm like, yeah, but that dude got shot. That dude got burned. This person that you actually put in a black body in, in this song is somebody who got hung and you have to understand Black bodies being hung in this country, right? So if you didn't understand that, this didn't make sense to you. And they didn't understand why black people were walking out. Like getting up and walking out of the middle of this thing because it was like, you you lynched him on stage. Like they didn't stop. Like it wasn't like, wow. they literally went all the way and putting the noose around his neck. And I was like, they gonna stop. Wow. They go cut the lights. They, go. they didn't, they tightened that shit. I was like, oh Lord, like this, it was crazy. And it was so bananas that like, None of that, purpose or not purpose, conscious or not conscious, that is just, that was a lot, right? It was such a big deal that I was like, so you fundamentally lynched a Black person on stage. It doesn't matter what the script said or if it was written for a white person, but what you showed, on the visual image you showed on stage was a Black man being lynched and singing about it happily, smiling as happily. he's walking up the scaffold and you put a noose <laughs> around his neck and you tighten it. And then you put a Confederate flag down. See, I don't no. know what else you could do. <laughs> like that was like the whole holy trifecta of shit that I was like, I know you could say you weren't aware, but like that but, to yeah, be unaware and that's the image that you created means no, that, that shit is no. so deep in our media. No, no. no, that we're so deep in our media and steeped in this that like somebody couldn't say they didn't understand this. And the fact is this was a, this was in this particular instant, it was not a professional thing. It was a student thing. This other person was not from this country. So you know what I mean? There is some mitigating stuff, but even still, there were people who were watching, professors and teachers, and who should have seen it, right? Somebody should have said something before that shit hit the stage. Right. And the fact that nobody seemed to say it meant we have put these images and this is the conversation to me about um, that I was having with somebody about the problem with the birth of a nation still being on everybody's 100% 100 list and not having a conversation about the fact that this was literally racist exactly. propaganda and yeah. this was literally a movie that was all about the the the, the, the KKK and the South, like it's propaganda and mm-hmm. the fact that we keep showing it as if it's art and not having a conversation about that propaganda means that somebody who watches this in Japan and somebody who watches this maybe in South Africa and somebody who watches this in Europe who doesn't have connection to the history does not understand and we're basically indoctrinating them and giving them this information without the context so you're repeating some shit that you've seen and you're like i love this movie i don't see the problem with this but you're literally imbibing racist nonsense and it comes out that way where i was like well there was 30 people watching this at all stages and nobody noticed until black people walked out in the showing of it that's a problem right that's a problem, well, a prob- a prob- and the same thing happens in TV. Oh, well, it's all the time. a problem.
0: It's a problem, but I, 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 but see, sometimes I feel white people want to be able to do those things still. They want to say the N word, and they want to lynch somebody, and they know that it's socially unacceptable to do any of that. So they find ways to kind of sneak it into their art and say, "Well, it's just art, or it's not real, or it's blah blah blah." But it's like. You know, like those thirty faculty members, whoever it is watching, somebody knows. I don't even care who you are. If it like like if it's students, then that's shame on you for being so ignorant as a student to not know. Because I know back when I was a kid, I remember there was a book that I was looking at. It was one of these um, Time Life books we had in the house. That was a. It was, you know, like 50 years of time or something like that, or 25 years of time. And there was, like, some photos in there of, like, some lynching and shit like that. And I was just, like, so startled by it. And you still look at it like, oh, my God, this is fucked up. This is what our country is about. I mean, there's so many photographs of of, of – they? they're, like, postcards of lynchings where the white people in the audience, are, they're kind of smiling and laughing at what's happening. And it's like that has been – stuff that I've seen. Now, here, but here's the thing, though. I'll, let me just right, right back in the back, because this, I was in school. I keep reading about how there's stuff going on in the last since I've left high school where they have changed a lot of the way curriculum is. And there's something going on now like in New Hampshire where they're trying yes. to pass a law where you can't teach stuff from that 1619 project that that is against the law to teach that to students. And it's like this is where this country is like yes. – you know, the storming of the capital and if like that is never gonna go away. Because people don't wanna like confront it head on. And and if it and if it's uncomfortable, but that's how you but you but you have to go through the uncomfortability to like to get to what is to change shit. You have to get it.
3: But I think it it's just to what you said though, that's your education right think about that like that's your education that's not everybody's education yep. you have to think about the miseducation of the population and no, the no, purposeful no. dumbing down of the population and the purposeful i mean if you look at these history books that say that like slavery was like indentured servitude and they were like you know ask like all of the changing of facts right and 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 like oh this is a different version of truth everybody doesn't get the same facts right everybody isn't seeing that book of lynchings in the time magazine they're just not right they're they're not getting that And if you only watch the Fox News or the Newsmaxes or whatever, or you're only reading books that reaffirm your privilege, right, you're never asked to see the world outside of yourself. You're never asked, like as a black woman, if I watch any movie for the one I was a kid, mostly to see myself and some of the stuff I liked, I had to imagine myself there because I wasn't there on the screen. Right. Like I could love nine to five as much as I want to or working girl or name a movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like my sisters love those very, very like 80s movies. So I watched a lot of them, whether that was mine or not. Right. And I wasn't there. And if I was there, it was the uh, we were a prostitute or we were we were in these weird spaces. So if I wanted to see myself as even just the secretary. I wasn't there. So we can say that. And I think, yes, sure. Maybe there's some people like that. But I do think there's plenty of people who like having lived in other places all over the country? There are some people who literally don't know, and they only know what they've been told. Like I had a grown man who was not aware, who had never noticed, I mean, because he's a guy, he never has to go to Planned Parenthood, but who literally just thought Planned Parenthood only did abortions. And I was like, boo! They give health insurance, like <laughs> literally free condoms. Get their pap there, people <laughs> go get cancer screenings yeah. there. Like, free condoms, right? Like, that is not what they do, but, like, it has been vilified in a way in the way their understanding of it and that that's all they see. But he grown, like, grown and living in California and <laughs> married to a woman. But, like, he's, that's not a place he would have had to go, right? So, he, uh, we were having a discussion. He was like, yeah, but they just give abortions. And I was like, first of all, no federal money goes to that. It never has. It's been a part of their charter. But, like, the second half, it gave birth control. It gives people ultrasounds if they can't get them to have their babies, to have healthy babies, but we don't have that conversation. Everybody isn't educated that way. And this guy is not a terrible guy. He was just ignorant, like literally <laughs> ignorant. And when I broke it down like that, it was like, oh shit. And to me, I'm like, boy, you got Google. Like, you could have Googled this (laughs) years ago, but he didn't need to Google it, right? Like, there was nothing pushing him to Google it. There was no reason for him to Google it. So I'm not a person who says immediately that somebody who says a thing just wants to say the N word, right? Like, I don't believe that. I think there is some willful ignorance. There's a lot of. I'm not saying it's everybody.
2: I'm not saying it's everybody. I'm, but, but. But. But that's also why I okay, always, well, hold, be, hold on, let me just finish my thought. I apologize for interrupting you, Chris. I was going to say, that's why I think for me, and we all say this, you know, we live in their world, they don't have to live in ours. So it's the same theory to what you were saying about your friend who, you know, even though he's married, has never went to plan parenthood, parenthood, because as a guy, he never had to, he got married, they, I don't know if they have kids or not, but it wasn't on their agenda to plan their parenthood. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it, was, it wasn't It was necessary. Just like these writers who are writing our stories think that they're, they've seen us on TV, so they get us. You know what I mean? They don't live in our world like we do, which is why it's easy for us to write them. Very easy. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I going to say yeah. No, I was gonna say
0: I'm, I'm not saying everybody white wants to say the, the n-word what I'm saying is is I feel like there's a percentage of white people who feel that they' that they're being denied the, the ability to do that because it's it's socially unacceptable now and I think that they look for ways to like to kind of sneak it in to places and then they'll hide behind what art kind of thing. Because that's just—I mean—I think people do it with too much glee sometimes, and I'm just like, "Yeah, there's something else going on here with you, like wanting to do that or say that kind of thing." Um, but yeah, oh, I that, agree. yeah. But that's—I mean, I'm there's a whole director who like made this, a whole career off
2: of that. This Chris, Chris, I, I was just thinking as soon as you guys were talking exactly. about that particular director. Do you think we're going to see him make another movie with a bunch more N-words in it again? Right now. I'm
3: curious. I'd love to see if he does. He's gonna get probably because people like let sh- I mean, people let shit go. Right. I would hope so, but he gets co-signed from people. He'd be like, "Hold up! Yeah. Like, yeah. first of all, no. Like, that's a no, no. My mama can't. So you definitely not. Like, you know what I mean? But there's some people who are like, "Oh, well, it's cool." But then it's also like. Can we really say much where like you got rappers saying the same shit, right? And like people calling people bitches and like, this is fine. And like, I get the idea of subversiveness and like how subversiveness can be interesting and powerful. So I'm never actually even a person who doesn't believe that like you can't be subversive in your art, but it has to be for a point. But if you just drop in N-words and F-bombs and shit like that just to do it because you think it's cool and like it's poetry... And not thinking about the ramifications of that, we got a problem. We have a problem. And I don't know what to tell you, but like, that's not acceptable. It was never acceptable. It was never, it was, it was made by law acceptable for some people, but it was always offensive and denigrating and problematic for other people. Correct. And that's why
2: for me, and maybe I'm just still a little old school and the neighborhood I grew up in is just part of how we talk. I still have a huge different. Uh, perception and look out for when white people say the the er on the nig <laughs> then yeah. when brothers say the uh the the a. A. yeah i the e conversations a. with people and some they they're telling me a story about how some white person used the word and and they were telling a story about something that somebody else had done or said and they were like, you know, I was, I was so offended and blah, blah, blah. It's usually somebody white who says it, by the way. And I said, I have a question. They said, what? I said, did they say the er or the ah? And they're like surprised. And I'm like, to me, they're two completely different things. You know, because you don't hear white people use the ah. Uh, they use the er and it has derogatory meaning. You know what I mean? And we use the ah out of a, out of a lot of different ways to, to, to explain ourselves and express ourselves. So, um, I have a hard time with that one because and I know as black people, we probably need to take that word and stop using it and all that. But I do find, depending on who I'm talking to, it might come up, <laughs> you know what I mean? And But it's not the er, it's the ah, uh, you know?
3: Well, I don't, I mean, I'm not th- for banning words. Well, I'm not also for banning words, right? Like I think if we try to ban it, like we can't, no. right? Like we can't completely ban a word, right? Like that doesn't, help either but i do think that there's an interesting moment where like you know there are people for whom yeah like can get away with saying stuff to me that somebody else can't get away with right right? and like you know or people who are used to saying a thing that is really really hard right like and i get that but like i think as a society if we're never going to deal with the 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 question of it anyways like it's not the word to me it's not nigger nigger i'm going to say it right like it's not that it is really like we're not even talking about the context of it. We're not even talking about the history of it. We're not even gonna like acknowledge that like this is painful for some people. Sure. Right? Like it is painful and this is why. And I think because we're making it sound like it's about a word and the a or the uh and it's like, yeah, I listened to me some Tupac, or I was listening to Lil Wayne the other day, right? You <laughs> you sing it around with a song, right? Like I get that, but I think it's just that we're not really dealing with we're not dealing with it, right? We're just saying it's about a word instead of like, we have a history in this country and we should just face that. And we as black people need to face, why do we want to say that? Like, why do we want to say that? Why do we need to say that? And I'm not saying we can't because you could do what you want to. Um, And sometimes whatever, nigga, please. Um, Um, But... If that's what I'm talking about, by the way. And like, why am I saying it? Like, why do I have to say that? Right. That's
2: what I'm talking about, Bianca. Because <laughs>
3: you know I do, right? you be like, oh uh, don't. Yeah, even. It's
2: just in the context of of, of when it's the right You know, right people right
3: people rock up and acting yes. like a fool.
2: They might need that. <laughs> you might have to use it for right. emphasis. Yes, I right. agree. It's it's that's all I am saying. You got to use gonna.
3: it for emphasis. It's yeah. like uh, Samuel. That man has made an entire <laughs> language out of the word fuck. Right? Like exactly. he is. <laughs> like you know what I mean? There's a whole book that was a joke on go the fuck to sleep was a joke on how he has literally made that into, you know what I mean? Like a whole language. Like, um, <laughs> so I don't, again, I'm not for banning words. I just, I think we're not dealing with the context of it of why you can't say it. So there's suddenly people pushing back on PC culture. You can't see me doing the air quotes about like, Oh, well I should be able to say it. You say it. And It's like, well, why do you want to say it? Like, like just ask, <laughs> just ask that question. Why is it necessary? So. <sighs> It's it's problematic, but let, no, we'll I get mean, back like, to the point I, I, I at think, hand. Uh, tell you,
0: Chris. Oh, well, what's the next point of hand? Is 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 the next the next thing. Well on we this were list talking of,
3: magical negroes. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna jump a we little bit. We talked a little bit about the token sidekick. Yes. Yeah. Um so the next is the undereducated. The next is like uneducated or we talked about
2: being undereducated. We poverty. talked we talked about that. We talked about that. Look, here's one that
0: I like that I like to see more of in things we like to see more of, right? is patriotism. Explore what patriotism means to African-Americans in a country that doesn't reciprocate that allegiance. Tell a story, examine the U.S.'s history through an African-American lens. Because it's like, you know, there's a really great, there's an interesting dichotomy that goes on that black people have to kind of wrestle with all the time. It's like, this country treated us like shit. It still treats us like shit. But a lot of black people... Like lay down their life, like for this country, they joined the, the the armed services. Now they, you know, for for a while they couldn't fight against white people, but they did do that, you know. Uh, but but they did serve anyway because they recognize the value of what the country's supposed to be, and I think that I think it's an interesting thing. I think that that, that, that like sometimes I think that black people are 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 fighting and being patriotic and and going to the, being veterans because they believe in the ideal and and what we're supposed to be and sometimes i think that white people do it because of what it is because it's because of, of what it's giving them now they're not and they're not cuz they're not contextualizing you know like all the negative you know i mean like as honestly you know if if, if you had to roll out some scales on what's negative and what's positive i don't think that it like that it's it's equal or it's more negative if if the history of this country um, and I think that's also why the, that the propaganda about like the American dream is so strong because it's, because it's trying to counteract all the dashly deeds that are being, that are slipping under the rug. Well,
2: here's something that's hmm, funny. I was, that's a good talk- idea. I mean, that's a good I'll- point. Um, sorry, let me, let me finish my thought. I'm delayed. Pol- Keep going. I apologize, Bianca. Um, So I was telling my husband recently, you know, during all the uh, election time, you know, we were here a lot. I'm actually here now in Scottsdale, by the way. Um, We'll be here for like a week. And we were here a lot and it was during all the election time. So I would literally be like, you know, going to the store or something and there would be just like a whole caravan of Trump supporters. I'm talking a hundred cars deep, you know. And every one of them either had an American flag or a Confederate flag or both. And so for me, I told him, I says, now when I see the American flag, it's damn near a Confederate flag to me. You will never see me wearing one. <laughs> I'm not flying one. I'm not, because it represents such a negative thing to me now because of what I've seen here, you know? And and and, and even when, um, and then I, I was watching something the other day and I found out that, um, oh, we were listening to, um 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 uh, a podcast about um the the guy who took all the, the the videos of all the guys coming in all the proud boys coming in to the to the to capitol and he was there but nobody knew what he was but you know he's a reporter and whatnot and he was saying that all of the if you look at the the sea of 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 of, of, of flags and things like that they all were actually like, Truncheons. They were like literally, like they were like they made. They were like baseball bats with like a flag on them. Like they were, they they knew that they wouldn't pull them over for that. So they were all weaponized. You know what I mean? Like they all were using them as as a scapegoat. And I was like, oh my god. You know what I mean? So it's it, yeah. it just has a negative thing for me now. Now I'm like, and yeah. so I don't know if you know this about me, Bianca. I, I don't know if you know, Chris. I I I go get my nails done, right? And when I do. I paint my two big toes the color of Jamaica, right? It's my rude boy roots, right? And when I came here, my brother-in-law, who's a, a you know a veteran and you know very white, he's like, well, "Why didn't you have American?" I'm like, "You don't want to have that conversation with me." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I still represent. <laughs> I still represent that over the American one. It's just. I don't know. I didn't mean to change the whole subject but it just reminded me of that when you said that
0: yeah I mean look that's what I'm talking about like the pa- like the pa- patriotism in America, in America I, I it means different things to the different ethnic groups it's like I was saying like I think like white people like like look at like a patriotic for what this country is because it does so much for them you know it, it's so rare that the white person the it's so rare that the, the country, has done someone white wrong, you know, like the country itself. And uh, it's just, I mean, it may, maybe a few instances, but black people and Asian people and Latinos, it's like the country has done them wrong. And, and it continues to do us wrong. But it's like, but there's the hope ideal that's baked into like the country's the, the ethos of the country that we can be better. And the thing is, that's not in other countries that we can be better you know, that we as a country can, like, can strive to be stronger and, 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 and to be more inclusive and to be more, more empathetic. That's not it. But I, so, I mean, like, there's that, there's that battle that black people, that white people don't realize that about black people. I think they think, I mean, it's, they're so, like, they're so, like, unaware to, to I mean, to ask that question of you, Hilliard, it's like, it's just like, what the fuck? I remember I, I, I stopped standing for the national anthem i was like in like fifth grade oh i stopped i I I never did it i was looking at my time life book you know and i was like i got time for this shit i got time for it no more you
2: know i grew up around the panthers so all (laughs) all all of my friends had already knew about that third verse we are i knew about it when i was seven years old (laughs) you know we were we would just sit there standing there looking watching yeah (laughs) i was like
3: literally we didn't do that we didn't even do it in school. No, I'm like, but that's, we're also from both from the Bay. I was like, we didn't, our school didn't even have us do it. Right. Like we didn't have, like there was no whatever, like you could, if you wanted to, but like, it was not a required thing. Right. And so, I don't know. I find that kind of fascinating, but even then I want to have a conversation really quickly, just quickly, quickly about, let's talk about patriotism and what that can mean. Because I think even what you're talking about, Chris, is this like almost toxic version of patriotism, like patriotism that's blind, patriotism that is very much like I will do whatever, follow blindly, this very like slightly fascist, social- like, you know what I mean? This idea that like it is it is more of like a like a demagogue almost, right? Like it's not talking about patriotism and what it should be. And, and it, I think what you're saying in the latter is what that should be, right? It should be about a country that's getting better, that's trying harder, that's sharpening its tools, that is that is looking to itself inwardly and figuring itself out to be better. Patriotism has not been that lately, definitely. And it has become this like badge and shield of like a blind allegiance. And that to me is just even being able to have that conversation about, that too is patriotism, right? Wanting to be better is patriotism. Wanting to be like, yo, this is what it says. We could actually be that, but every time we get to that, y'all are turning a left and don't deal with it. That's a problem. You're not dealing with, you know, the fact that we're not all free, right? We're not dealing with the fact that there are people who are hungry and starving and dying in what's supposed to be the best country in the world, right? Like, if you really believe in patriotism, then that should offend you. That should offend you to your core that we have so many, so many homeless people. It should offend you to your core that people can work 40 hours a week and still be under the poverty line. That should offend you. If you are patriotic and truly patriotic, you should want your country to be the absolute best. And you should believe that it can be the absolute best. If you're saying that like, we're going to other countries to do all these things to make everybody great, but you cool would drive and pass a hundred people underneath a, a, a freeway every day, What's the that's a that's a problem. That too is patriotism. And I think we don't have that conversation. And that everybody who goes into the military aren't just waving a flag, right? There are a lot of people who go to the military because they pay for their education. There are a lot of people who go to the military because they're promised this idea of travel and they want to get out of their small town. So even talking about patriotism in a different way and, and having soldiers in my family and friends who are soldiers and like I have a whole you know long you know cycle of military plays because I went to a school that had a military education program and some of my students and some of my professors and some of my cohort were, were either active or vets I mean like to have a 25 year old vet like dude right like he's 25 or she's 25 but like they didn't serve and to come back at 25 and like their, their, the way they were moving through the world was different in a way that I even couldn't fully grasp, but like having conversations with them, it's like even that patriotism is complicated. And so I love the thing about black patriotism, but like let's just complicate patriotism in and of itself um, so that we can have these bigger conversations. And I think that's piggybacks to like empowerment, which is another thing that's on this list. Um, an impact on families and intact families, because we don't deal with even those things, which I think when we talk about patriotism and we talk about what this country could be. We don't talk about empowering everybody, right? We don't talk about all families being intact, intact, but some families being attacked, right? Like there's certain things that I think is really great about this list because it's aspirational. But even in that, I think there's some stuff that we could like judge and find nuance in. Um, But
2: read read that definition, Bianca.
3: Quickly go through the list. Which one?
2: Empowerment. You
3: were talking about the criminal justice or the intact.
2: The to
3: to see empowerment. Empowerment stories about characters with ambition, intelligence, and integrity, told from their own point of view.
2: So when I see that, like,
3: I think that's beautiful because it's also very much
2: specific yeah when when i see that it makes me think about where we are right now you guys about how like a lot of us are like fighting to get you know black writers to write black stories you know um you know the latino the the asian community everybody is like you know the same thing with actors you know no more you know white characters playing asian characters like all that stuff has got to go you know, same thing with LGBT characters. Like, we're, there's like so much more change that's happening, um, and so <clears throat> I'm about to work on this new show um, with the person who's um, in a wheelchair, in in the, in the in the, in who's our lead, and the person who they're looking for, looking at as as, as the as the actor um, um, had a had a major accident, but he's a really really busy. TV actor and known for this um, disability that he has. And so he knows how to maneuver a wheelchair really well. Right? And I was, like, debating like, is that good enough? Because he doesn't walk around daily in a wheelchair. Like, should we find somebody actually in a wheelchair? (laughs) You know what I mean? Now, I'm already jumping the gun. We're not even at that point, but we're already having those discussions. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure we do the right thing. So we we at least... I want to see some other people <laughs> you know before we just nail this one person down because he's already right. kind of a, a name. Well, I mean that, yeah. I, I
0: know I know it's that's it's that's kind of an interesting thing to to consider. You know, I mean I'm always torn on this, you know, cuz it's kind of like okay, so you know, do you get someone I mean cuz I like I think I've I've noticed this off and on like the last 3 or 4 months a lot on I see it on Twitter people were complaining about how like you got a Chinese character playing playing a Japanese character in a movie or something like that. Like you know, I guess like no, no, you like you like you have to get a Chinese person to do this, you know, because it's a Chinese role. Like like don't get a Korean, don't get you know blah. blah. And I mean, it's it's I mean look, I mean like that's a strange place to be in because then because because then that that also could you know like kind of went into the creed about like, oh well these you know you know these these these, these Africans shouldn't be playing like American black roles. I mean like, like, like people could weaponize it that way. You know, so I mean I think they're I don't know already what to trying to
2: yeah. I mean I, I, I mean I think they're already trying to.
3: Yeah. You know? Fundamentally that like it, it's hard because I think that what other people don't recognize you're not allowed to ask. Right? Like you you are not allowed to ask. People what their ethnicity is, right? A, so let's just go to that, right? And then B, it's like, I, I do think that like, there is a slippery slope where we get so litigious about things that we we lose focus on it. But at the same time, I can understand beefs on both sides, right? But honestly, for me, oftentimes it's when like, I have a problem when you're like legitimately, and I love A lot of the work but it was like when you've got white actors playing black people and wearing black (laughs) face that is not acceptable right Right. if there is a like it's just not acceptable but there's a time where like you know like i have a friend who's korean but like might have grown up in japan right? And might speak fluent fucking Japanese, right? So if there's an actor who has those skill sets and can actually play it, then I'm not going to disqualify that actor because their ethnicity is, you know, or their uh, nationality of origin might have been technically Korean, but like technically, you know, it's like America. We also put Make it sound as if like other countries there aren't people from other places who who were family originated somewhere else and who grew up there and making them seem less of whatever the thing is. But I think it is a slippery slope and I think it's really hard and also because there's not mu- enough representation, right? Like if there's only one asian movie and it's generally played those parts were generally played by white people playing asian when it's finally a chinese movie the chinese actors are finally like shit great i finally have something that i can actually be right for and i'm still not seen for so a lot of that isn't even about that person it's the fact that like there's so little there's such a this idea of dearth and um we are not coming from a place of abundance and it's just like everybody's fighting each other because you want that one chance versus if there were a lot of these stories being told, I think we, and if we checked for those people.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but here's the thing too. I I remember, um, Daylon Rodriguez was up to do this, uh, thing for Berlanti. Well, she wrote the thing for Berlanti for Wonder Girl and it, and it ultimately didn't, and it ultimately didn't go forward. Right. But and I want to say she's Cuban or Puerto Rican. I can't remember which one. Yeah, she she is she is. So it's but the thing is, is that the character in the comic is Brazilian, and I saw all up and down Twitter people going, "Oh fuck that! She shouldn't be telling a story. She's she, she's not Brazilian." And I was like, "Wow, like it's okay." I mean, and I get that because you know she's Cuban. Uh, let's just say because I she, I can't remember. That's my fault. But you know, but it's like okay, but she's Cuban. People are trolling her because she's not Brazilian to tell that Brazilian story, and. I mean like to me like that's I, I mean like I there's 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 certain things about that 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 there's some sort of policing going on that is very um I guess it's hard to navigate but I think it goes with what you're saying Bianca about like there's just not enough of those it stories is. I I mean like I could think of like two black there's I mean not. sorry like two like brazilian like writers uh who you know like who write? I mean, I th- I think. But see, here's the thing: I think the guy who created East Los High oh,
2: is, he Brazilian? is Brazilian. Oh, okay.
0: And that is, I I like I, I I I might be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure he is. And you know, he's telling a story that's
3: predominantly about like you know. There's a point in which, you you have to stop policing, right? Like I was not a military vet. I know enough people. I did enough research, and I. But I consistently ask those people to read it to tell me, does this feel authentic to you? Does this feel real to you? Like I do so much and go out of my way to make sure. But I also know that if somebody chin checks me and gets upset about a thing, I can recognize. It doesn't mean my work isn't good. It means for that person, it did not ring true or for that person, they have a problem when that person has an issue. And I'm willing and open to sit and listen to that, per- that that person's perspective. It doesn't mean I feel any worse about my work, but it, in part because I know I did the work to try to make it as authentic and real as possible. But I know I'm not of that community. So I never, whenever my plays are done, if it's done for vets and like they have an issue, I will sit and listen because there's that's learning too for me. Right. Every time I hear somebody who says that's not authentic to me because of this and it becomes this like individual thing. And I think the problem for me with these stories about people who are like, I should be able to tell the story. And it's like, are you going to tell it well? Right? Are you going to do the work? Are you going to do the research? Are you going to listen to the people who who might rock up and be like, this is why this is not working. This is why this is not good. And if you just think you have the right to tell it because you want to tell it or I'm inspired by it, that's cool. But like, I have to do research on Black women when I write Black women. And I am a Black woman, right? Because we're not a monolith. And I think too often that's the problem. We're not treating these stories as individual stories or trying to do the work to be able to tell these stories in a way in which you know the that community would felt seen, heard, believed, have their story told, be happy to tell that story. Right? We're living in these stereotypes, and we're living on the, the top and the glaze over. Right? And so I think that it's. I don't think that like you know I've seen some stories by what well, I didn't even know were written by white people. Right? Like so there are stories, and I was like, okay, like you go to watch. Sometimes and you, they you nail you go it. Look, and you're like, oh, yeah. so that's not who I thought told that story and they nail it and i think there are people who do but i think a, a part of that is they're looking outside of the stereotypes they're looking outside of you know these these preconceptions of what it means to be black or to be woman or to be whatever and i think that to me is the difference and if you're willing to do the work and take the blame like great when it's great but be willing to like get chin checked if right. you tell a story that's not here's, yours <laughs> here's what's funny
2: is and i need to wrap this up in a minute i apologize but here's what's really funny is like one of my favorite like top five movies um, is um, A Color Purple, and but if you ever hear um, Spielberg talk about it, it's the one movie he feels like he probably shouldn't have made. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, you fucking nailed that movie for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yes. and it's number one. He had a black team, right. you know, Quincy Jones, and um, um, why am I going black? And a know. book. And well, the book was, I mean, you can't beat that. Um, um, Debbie Allen, I mean, he had all these people behind him who were part of that team, you know, who were making it feel authentic too. And I think he did the right things that, you know, director and producer should do. Go ahead, Chris. Well,
3: right.
0: Well, yeah, okay. Okay. But I, I remember seeing an interview when they did, there was that Spielberg documentary a couple of years ago on HBO, and Kathleen Kennedy was talking about what. I think like is giving like nuance to what he means when he was like, I don't know if I should have done this, It's because she was saying that there's some scenes about, there's some lesbian scenes in the book that were in the script that he was like, I don't want to like, let's let's take this out, you know, or yet because he was like, I don't know how to do this, you know, like a, it's lesbian and B is black women. Like, like that is so far afield for me to do. You know, and I'm sure you know. So uh, I mean, but I, I mean, th- that's what she was saying. He had a problem with even then, you know, when he was making it. I think at the time when he was making it, he felt he could do no wrong to a degree, because he's coming off of like what uh, Raiders and 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 in ET, he's like I'm top of the world type of dude, you know. But at the same time, I mean, look, I mean, I think that's a great movie. It's it's well done. It's it was it's it. I it mean, to also to a degree. It's a movie that allowed him to want to make Schindler's List because he'd been making all that kind of popcorn yeah. for it before, and he was like, "Oh, I did this, and I understand like the like what cinema can really do outside of that." But but you know, but you're right. I mean, like, but his team was fucking everybody,
2: you know, um,
0: right? And that's do it, what do I think right. is, is more than what <laughs> Bianca's get point nuance, is. Get that
2: nuance. Get yeah, that nuance. Yeah,
0: is is uh, is 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 get is get the team because. You know, you sit there and, I mean, and that's also, like, if you're the writer, particularly if you're the director and those kind of things, you have to listen and be collaborative enough to get the perspective from people who are of the who are the outside group that you're, you know, who are going to be in your movie. Like, I'll never forget that scene in fucking, um, that awful film. I say it's awful because it's, uh... Shape of Water. it the, that, that oh, won the Oscar no. and everything like that? And 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 that movie. But see, look, what?
3: I was and, like I like. This it. is why it's awful to me, right? I it's did, awful because there's a
0: scene in it. There were things no, I didn't yeah, like. I know yes, of people did, did but this is why it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that. Yeah, there's that scene that the black dude just caves in on his caves in on his woman, and I was like, that. That's just fucking fake. And it just took me out of the film completely, and I was kind of like, Octavia Spencer, you have the fucking Oscar at this point. He doesn't have that yet. You need to say some shit about that scene, and you
3: didn't. The thing is, you don't know if she didn't. Like, we don't know what happens. Well. <laughs> like, I think that's the hard No, thing, no, no, but what, what, that's what I'm saying. That, like, that's what I'm
0: saying. He could have been told something, and he ignored it. If it was told, I mean, look, 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 that's a scene that someone had to say something about. That scene was not just like, hey, let's go sit and block it real quick. Because not, that's not how that's yeah. happening.
3: I mean, I but there's also it. an issue of yeah. the power dynamic of actors. Let's get to that real quick. There is and one. I know yes. Hill has to go, but let's also talk about the power dynamic of okay. actors, right? They, they do not have, like, you are a director, right? And now you are working on a TV show as a writer. As an actor in a movie and an actor on a show, you do not, even in a play, you do not have that power. And it's one of the reasons I stopped acting, because being you are the paint on somebody else's canvas. And if you agreed to do this thing, this play, a lot of people feel like it's not their place, or they don't feel like they have the power, or they think that they're going to get fired, or they think they're going to be labeled as difficult, and particularly women, and particularly women of color, right? The moment you step out of line, they're difficult. And that's all you have to say for somebody not to get a job again, right? This person was difficult. I didn't like working with them because they're difficult so they might have said something and tried to do it the nice way because it was their way of fighting from looking difficult but the power dynamic of being an actor on any set Mm -hmm. you do not have that privilege I don't have that privilege to rock up and no matter even if I thought like even as a writer on a show if my boss says she wants to do something or he wants to do something like I can fight to a certain point but there's stuff in some of my episodes that I was like you know what like you know and the actors are complaining and I'm like boo you and me you and me. Yes, this is what we got, though. Right. So how do we make it the least <laughs> the least annoying? And it's not like there's stuff you can do. There is a power dynamic. And we have to at least acknowledge that and stop pretending like, oh, well, they should have just said something they could have. But they also was trying to eat. So, you know, and it's that, this person's feeling. No, 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 I
0: don't. I understand. So, you know, I, I, it's,
3: it's that stuff.
0: Right. I mean, look, it's just that that's the scene to me. I'm just, I mean, I look at it like, you know, Del Toro's Mexican. He's not, I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know. That's just me that bothered me because if that was flipped it around, you. how angry, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it, 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 it kept, it kept me from wanting to enjoy that movie because that movie, I was kind of on the precipice yeah. with it and that scene happened. And I was like, ah, let it go. Let it
3: go. Down, let it go. Yeah. I, again, I think this is why you're this right. is actually I, d- I didn't hate it as much, you're but right. I no, definitely I just, like, have. This is why I love that they've done this um because at least these can start a conversation right? Because they're oftentimes starting that conversation, that awkward conversation that's difficult, right? To be like, because if you say it the, not the wrong way, because I don't think there's a right way. A lot of people are like, I have to say it the right way, because then it's awkward. And then they're gonna think I'm saying they're a racist, instead of being like, this is problematic. And here's why, right? And then somebody being willing and open to listen to it, to hear the background, if they don't have that for themselves, right? Like, here is a trope that's problematic for the Black community. Like, there are things that I have a lot of Asian friends that I didn't know were problematic in their community. And that's not just like, it literally could be ignorance. Like I had a friend and we were talking about, I was buying a new car and she was like, Oh, white cars are seen as like an offensive thing. And like, it's like a stereotype in the yeah, Asian community that I, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, I was that. just like, I didn't like white cars cause I think they get too damn dirty. But like her, <laughs> her right. response about white cars was very different and she broke down you know, and and for her, what she believed was offensive about white cars in the Asian community. And I'm putting air quotes around that. Right. But it was something I had never heard. I wouldn't
2: hear this story. Before. Why? I, just, I don't want I don't want Bianca well, to say. Well, there's it, a
3: stereotype, the stereotype. I don't want you of, to like, say it and paraphrase
2: it wrong, though. Things. Right. Unless you remember it yeah. word for word. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> I am sort of
3: paraphrasing it badly. It was it was. I don't remember where for it. Cause it was, it was like a 20 minute conversation where oh, okay. she broke it down and I was just like, wow. Okay. I had never thought, I mean, like I just didn't like white cars cause I thought they was dirty. Like they get really dirty and you could see them from <laughs> a mile away, but like she had a whole philosophy on how you pick a color of car. Right. Mm-hmm. Like red was difficult for her for a specific reason. And like, you know, so it was like the kind of car she picked, was a whole process about being an Asian woman in a car, right? And what stereotypes it would be about her yeah, and what that, car. That so sense. yeah, I see all that. I'm saying I see is that. there's, there's yeah, so okay. many layers to this stuff and somebody, the idea too, that like, people don't want to be considered racist, right? We are so ingrained of wanting to always look good mm-hmm. and not look like we have any issues that like you try to rock up and be like, okay, this scene is problematic and they're already defensive. You are done. You are dead in the water. And I have actors, even on the shows that I'm on, who are seen as difficult because they ask you questions and people are like, girl, we didn't have this. They don't want to say we didn't have this fight a million times. We're not about to have it again. Instead, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, this person is being difficult. Instead of being like, they have a question because this is their first time. And I'm willing to be like, yeah, it's a shit line. Sorry. I had to go through 50 people. This is the line we got, right? Like this is, this is too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm real sorry. Please just say the line, say now, say an ADR, but like we don't have those conversations and it's awkward and we always want to look good. So I think there's a thing where like we try to have that conversation this time. You're just not going to be listened to and my name ain't on it. So if you want to bump your head, go and have fun.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate this. Um, Thank you for coming on with us, B. Always good to see you. You always bring a bunch of game. You're one of the sm- smartest people that I love in Hollywood. I just love to hear you talk about stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, so everybody, this was again... Well, the, uh, it's been fun. The, I'm glad I got to come hang out. Indeed. This was the uh, the Think Tank um, for Inclusion and Equity sheet that went out. Um, everybody should look for that. It's everywhere. Um, hey, Chris. T I E. Do we have a way to put it in our um, in the show notes? In the show notes? You know what?
0: I'll put it on the okay, show so notes, awesome. and I'll put it on right, the awesome. website.
2: Um, but anyway, so there's a lot more that we skipped over, but we yeah. just went through a few of the they ones that one we- They have one
3: for African-Americans. Sorry, they have ones for African-Americans, disabled people, yeah, migrants, like eight, right? criminal justice, Latinx, and Muslims right now. But they're in the process of doing several other ones. Um, so it's a really great resource, at least to start the conversation about things, but it's not meant to be an end all and be all. So still do your homework.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you. Um, I think we're going to have Angela Harvey on at some point, you know, I don't know if we'll go over this or not, but I will probably cover some of it, but, um, for sure. She's awesome. Um, well, thank you. So Bianca, can people follow you? Where are you on Instagram and everything?
3: I am on Instagram and I am on Twitter under Right Sam's right i believe um i do not check dms i'm real sorry i forget they're there um so just tweet
2: you ain't down with the dms
3: um sometimes i check the twitter dms i don't ever check Well, the thing is, I forget they're there. Like, I forget Instagram has them. So people will be, like, Instagram DMing (laughs) me, and, like, it'll be a month later. And I'll be like, oh, right, Right. that's what the thing is. But at least Twitter tells you when you have a DM. So, like, I will read them occasionally. But, you know, people be abusing DMs. So half the time I'm just like, look, if you can't say it in public, you probably shouldn't say it. Um, (laughs) Because people be coming crazy in the DMs.
0: (laughs) What about you, Chris? Where can people find me? They can find me on uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter at unauthorizedcbd. I mean, I don't... I mean, God, DMs. See, here's the thing about the direct message, right? There's primary, there's general, and there's requests. I'm like, that's a lot to fucking ask me to go through. Um, I mean, yeah, a bunch of people like show up in the general thing, and I'm like, who the fuck are these people? And, uh... You know, and then there's requests. Like, hey, have me join. It's... And that list just gets long. It's like going back 52 weeks, 30. I'm like, what the hell is this shit? But, um, but anyway, you know, I mean, look, I will respond to a DM on, uh, on Instagram, um, not on Twitter, because I'm not on Twitter as, as, as enough. Uh, but anyway, yeah. And I'm your host, it.
2: Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, ScreenwritersRR on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Uh, yes, I am also on Clubhouse. <laughs> Bianca tried not to say because she don't want nobody following her. <laughs> she on there too.
3: I am. I am. <laughs> oh, I forgot I was on Clubhouse. No, no. What is it? I think it's right. Sam's on Clubhouse. I always forget.
2: <laughs> and I am at Hilliard Guest on Clubhouse. Chris, you on it yet? I am. I've only been on for like twenty minutes. That first time. I don't. I don't. I don't... In so you get used to it.
0: I, I I don't I don't. It's fun. Yeah, we we have Chris a good time.
2: Like, though. we? We have a good time in there actually.
3: Oh, we do. Oh, I like it's it's oh. right Bianca on on Clubhouse. <laughs> so it's right Bianca on Clubhouse, and then it's right Sam's right on Twitter and Instagram. Got it. Um, any questions? My handles. See, I don't know if I'm, talk, if, if I'm talking. I'm trying to talk to people like
2: that. <laughs> any questions? Screenwriters rant mail. Rich. ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you guys listen to. Please give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. What else, Chris?
0: Oh, if you go to our website, ScreenwritersRR.com, you can support the, uh, the, the show through our Patreon link. There's a direct link there to the Patreon page, or you can go on, on Anchor. There's a link to that Anchor, and you, and you can support us directly through that as well. Um, and you can like uh, buy t-shirts and mugs on the website and I guess you'll be able to find these this think tank th- this, these documents these we just talked about today you can find those on the website as well
2: um, and again uh, thank you to everybody who listened to the show we appreciate everybody oh I was supposed to answer a question this week and I forgot all about it I'm going to have to push it to next week uh, I'll just let them know I had to push it because I I got I to run out of here I gotta get to my mom's house and they're like an hour away. So and mom's like, I'm cooking dinner. I'm like, okay, fine, girl. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> so and we're an hour ahead here, by the way. Um so anyway, yeah. thank you guys, everybody jo- joining with me for uh Wakanda Forever. One day we will find a new thing to say. <laughs> I feel like it's definitely time to change it. Um but it seemed like when um when when um when your boy passed away it was it was necessary <laughs> to bring it back. Now I feel like it's probably time to move on to something else. Um, anyway, you guys know how we do it on the rant room. On this show, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. forever.
3: forever. I'm going to say
1: what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Welcome to the Red Room. and